Welcome to Lift and Love Conversations, where we're building a supportive culture around LGBTQ families in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I'm Allison Dayton, and I'll show you how to embrace your child and your spiritual discomfort to deepen and grow your testimony of Jesus Christ. And I am Jenny Hunter, and I will help you identify and overcome obstacles that can get in the way of sustaining healthy relationships. And I help you realize the blessings of being an LGBTQ family. Each week, we will bring you lessons that we've learned from our own lives, the experiences from hundreds of families that we have worked with, and conversations with amazing experts. Hello, our Lift and Love community. We are thrilled to be with you today. And we have somebody as beautiful inside and out and pretty much a celebrity in Mesa. You're going to know if you are from Arizona, (laughs) you are going to be like, she's our girl. And we have her on our podcast today, don't we yet, Allison? We're so excited. So Julie Spilsbury is joining us from Mesa. As we said, she's a Mesa City Council person. I just came from Mesa and it was lovely and warm. I have lots of family down there. My dad's family comes from Arizona and my husband's little brother was there. So we got to go see everybody. It was so fun. And it's so nice when it's 30 degrees here. Yes. We have beautiful weather right now. You do. You Good do. <laughs> when we have, uh, when we have horrible weather, you have great weather. And when we have lovely weather, I you guys are roasting. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm sure some of you are wondering why we have Julie on our podcast today, but there has been a lot happening in Mesa and she has been pulled into the LGBTQ advocacy world. So Julie, can you just kind of give us a background if people aren't familiar with the current events in Arizona right now? Sure. So I grew up in Mesa and um, my husband and I have raised our six kids here and I love to volunteer. I love community. I love people. And I was thinking about running for school board and I got asked to run for city council and I said, heck no, why would you want to do that? (laughs) That's a lot of people getting mad at you and a lot of boring stuff. And anyways, as I explored it and prayed about it and met with the mayor and um, I started watching the council meetings, I realized very quickly that a mother's voice was needed on our city council. There's only one woman on a council. We have a mayor and six people on our council. Our city is 520,000 people. It's the 35th largest city in the nation. So it's huge. And we only had one woman on the council and she's not a mother. And um, so I thought, well, my voice is definitely needed and why not me? And And more importantly, I felt very strongly um, that Heavenly Father wanted me to do this. And I prayed about it and and, um, had that heart pounding where you just are like, no, I can't say no. In fact, my husband was like, wait, what? No, this wasn't our plan. And so, but as soon as I made the decision, um, we made the decision. We had no turning back at that point. And so that led to um, a year and a half of campaigning. Um, I I had to run against an incumbent and um, it was difficult to say the least. And it stretched me in ways that I never wanted to be stretched. And it was difficult. Was it your first time doing something like this? Were you like the president of your high school or was this the first time? No, I was voted class clown in high school. (laughs) (laughs) You were like, what bravery to do all this? Like really green about it, huh? Yeah, I, I've always kind of um, been a leader and been in leadership positions, but yeah. never, ever had a desire to run for a political office. My husband's definitely more of the um, political one in our family. But I do, like I said, love community and love people. And so it felt like the perfect place for me to be able to use my um, my talents and gifts that I've been given. And my kids are older. And so having um, 
right now we have one kid left at home. And so you have a little bit more time on your hands. And so it, it felt like a good place, but I can't tell you how many times I have played with Heavenly Father to not make me do it. And I kept getting the answer that this is where he wanted me. And so I, my election was in August of 2020 um, and I won and I wasn't going to start until January. And the mayor came to me and he said, Hey, I just better let you know that at the first of the year, I will be putting forward our non-discrimination ordinance for the city of Mesa. And this is something that our city has been working on for six years. Um, It came up in 2014 and it just got ugly quickly and they kind of decided to back off of it. So as you know, Mesa is a very conservative city, at least has the reputation for being very conservative. We actually only have the numbers are around 10 to 12 percent LDS. Really? Um, it feels much more than I that. know. I would assume it was like all. Yeah, <laughs> no, and these are legacy families, right? These are families that lived there from the beginning. So I'm sure you have a lot of weight in the community. Mesa has deep, deep roots and they are LDS families and they're wonderful people. And yeah. so we they are they're who is out there and they we definitely have a high representation um, you know, statewide in our politics. So the mayor is LDS, and we have one other council member that's LDS, but the other five, um, four are not. Our, the mayor came to me, and he just said, explained kind of the background behind the non-discrimination ordinance. He described how the church really was asking for local leaders to come up with legislation that could protect religious rights and protect the LGBTQ rights. And our mayor felt like this was a good time to do it at the beginning of 2021. And he wanted to know, he wasn't telling me how to vote, but he just wanted me to know that it was coming and that I needed to be aware. And um, at the time, I, I, I always picture the conversation because at the time I remember thinking, well, yeah, of course I would vote for that. Like, what's the big deal? Like, I didn't, <laughs> I had no idea what was around the corner. <laughs> what the opposition would feel about it, huh? Yeah, I, I mean, I really didn't know because it just made sense to me. Like, well, yeah, we have those religious rights protected. We have the LGBTQ rights. It seems like a perfect, perfect balance there. And so I got sworn in. Were you going to ask something else? Oh, I was just going to say, just so for background, for those of you who don't know. So the um, the LDS church was involved. I think Elder Cook and Elder Perry were involved in the what is called the Utah Compromise. Right which was sort of a precursor to this, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So, and that was passed, I think, in March of 2015. Mm-hmm. I think that sounds right. Yeah. Um, and our Utah, our very conservative Utah Senate passed it 23 to 5. Yes. So it was our, you could see how, you know, you would think, oh, this is going to be great. You know, this was something that was done with um, Equity uh, Equality Utah, Troy Williams, um, Elder Perry, Elder Cook, and Jim DeBacchus, who's a well-known politician in Utah and a gay man. So, you know, they worked this whole thing together. And and from what I remember, um, your mayor sort of put together the legislation based on the Utah Compromise. Is that right? Yes. So there is one main difference, which is kind of the issue. So the Utah Compromise specifically addressed employment and Mm -hmm. housing. Mm-hmm. but did not allow for the public accommodation that the city um, ordinance that Mesa was putting forward did. So, and there are national regulations 
now for housing and employment that cover a lot of that anyways. But um, Mesa's ordinance specifically allowed for accommodations, the public accommodations, which means bathrooms. Uh So it means that you can use the bathroom of the gender you identify with. And that is why across the country for the last several years, they're called bathroom ordinances and why people get really upset. I don't think there are very many people left who are like, yeah, we want to discriminate against gay people for housing and employment. What people do have a hard time with is there's going to be a man in the bathroom with my little girls or my granddaughters. And they... Meaning that's how they phrase it, right? That's exactly. how that's how their beliefs are about it. That's how their beliefs are, and there's a lot of fear. I I couldn't believe the fear that was um, rampant. I mean, and and the untruths that were spread immediately about things that just aren't true. There's no data to back it up. There's um. I, so so I guess let me go back. So as um. So the mayor talked to me in the fall, and I spent months researching the topic, looking at both sides, talking to people on both sides, um, our attorneys that drafted the um, ordinance, and our we have a, um, what is her exact title with the city? We have a new um, diversity director, I think is her title. So she was working um, with our lawyers to draft exactly, you know, the wordage of every every phrase in this ordinance. and. So I spent a lot of time talking to them. Um, The community as a whole didn't really pay, most people don't pay attention to local politics, let's be honest, right? And so most people didn't, weren't aware of it yet, but the few people that were paying attention, that were concerned, reached out to me. I met with them several times. We talked about things. There were even some things changed in the ordinance because of those conversations. Our mayor is wonderful about listening to all sides. We had Equality Arizona and one community where the two main LGBTQ organizations that worked with us on this. And then we had several religious organizations working with us on it as well. So it, so we felt like it was a really, really beautiful um, coming together of everyone on all sides. You know that if you have the HRC not happy and the strong religious right, that you're probably in a good spot, right? If the, if the two extremes want you to make changes because it's not extreme enough for them. You know, you've probably figured out a pretty good middle ground. Yeah. yeah. And so we um, moved forward and, and I felt I had prayed about it. I, I felt really strongly that the research that I saw, this, um, this type of an ordinance is in 322 cities across the nation. And there has been zero increase in violent incidents because of this. The bottom line is bad people do bad things. And they have done it before there's an ordinance and they will continue it after an ordinance. And there are not people sitting around waiting for an ordinance like this to be put forward so that then they can go and do bad things to girls in the bathroom. Right. I mean, and we have um, rational, Julie, (laughs) that's such a rational statement. I (laughs) I know. So we have, there's seven cities in Arizona that have ordinances like this. Phoenix and Tempe are two of them, which are big cities. Tempe has ASU and Phoenix is our capital with 3 million people. They have had zero citations, zero incidents. So, you know, with all of that kind of research and data, I I read everything I could find on it to just really make sure that I wasn't, you know, missing something. And because, because the fear out there, there was so real. I mean, yeah. people just, 
I think that's a good way of putting it. It's it's real. It becomes real because there's nothing, there's no data saying anything else, right? It's just, oh, and it, you know, maybe logically it might feel that way. So Julie and I have I've I've really like I've really pumped Julie for information because I've been trying to do a lot of research on LGBTQ rights and the transgender bathroom laws and all of that. And when you start really looking at it. And the statistics, like 90% of children who are molested are molested by a family friend or uh, someone in the family. We, we just have it. We have these, these scary ideas about who our LGBTQ people are. And, and it's not even close to the truth. Right. Our LGBTQ people are the people that are sitting next to us who we love in our wards and stakes. And, and the truth of it is, is a transgender woman is not safe in a male restroom. Right. That's where the da- that's where the danger is, truthfully. Right. Yeah. The studies show. Yeah. So Julie's been so great at helping me get up to speed on that. I, I have so many. I have like, you know, a million links all over the place. Yeah, I love I it. Compile them all in one. But um, I, I also want to just mention. So during COVID, as everyone we had a lot more time on our hands, right? And so um, all of my return missionary college-age daughters and my husband and I were just kind of on this journey of learning. And so we were constantly sending each other podcast episodes and books to read and quotes that we saw. And we were listening to tons of like Faith Matters and um, Richard Osler's podcast and, yeah. and just things that kind of opened our eyes and our hearts and broadened our understanding of some of these issues. I had some really incredible experiences through that year, um, some really incredible spiritual experiences um, with Heavenly Mother and Heavenly Father and and why I was being asked to be here. And I didn't even know this was coming, but I, I very much feel like, you know, over the course of a year, the, you know, evolution of my heart on this was incredible. And so for me to expect everyone who hasn't been on that journey to just immediately be okay with it gave me more patience, I guess, for their, (laughs) for their view. But I love that you brought up this point because we get asked a lot, like, well, how do I like teach other people? And it really is, they have to kind of have the desire that you and your family did to be taught. And Uh, I got to tell you, Julie, everybody who I have talked to has gone on that journey of like, okay, I'm open to this Heavenly Father. Like, let me know when they are open to like learning more about their LGBTQ saints. It is a spiritual experience and it is like their heart just burst open with love and with understanding that they're like, I call it like the Pharisee thinking kind of gets swept away a lot where absolutely it's a, it's an amazing experience. And, and I, I think it's important to realize that not everyone's been there yet. And yes. so like, cause I was getting so frustrated. I mean, these are my friends and family and people that I grew yeah. up with and their, their parents and my parents, friends and people who are my young women leaders and my young women leaders that were out there saying horrible things about me or, or about the way I voted. And, and that's really painful. And so it's really easy to kind of get negative about that and to get hard feelings. But then I had to keep reminding myself like, okay, they're just not there. Like they haven't been on this journey. And, and I, and I also don't think it was coincidental at all. I absolutely believe that my heavenly father knew that I was going to be faced with this boat and that he was preparing me and my whole family to be in a position where I could do this. 
to be honest with you, we already had our four votes. So it shouldn't be a partisan or a political um, issue at all. But our three Democrats on our council were voting yes. And then our mayor, who's a Republican, was voting yes. And then it left three of us that were Republican. And one had already said, heck no. The other one was trying to decide. And I was, oh, yes. And I didn't have to vote yes. I could have very easily voted no because I knew it was still going to pass. And then I would have made all my constituents happy with me. Um, but I had to do the right thing. Like I had had to do the right thing. And so through the course of the, the study sessions and the city council meetings and everyone coming and all the emails and all of the hate that I received, being able to be convicted in my vote to vote yes was the most incredible feeling. I mean, one of the highlights of my life to be able to vote yes on that. And then the people that reached out to me after that, that because I'm the Mormon conservative mother on the council and I'm the one that voted yes on it, they already expected the others to, but my vote had so much more impact on them. And so to me, it was really obvious that Heavenly Father was just kind of guiding me on this little journey to help me get to that place where I needed to be to be able to have that kind of an impact. Well, Julie, why why did you vote yes? Again, as I talked and listened to these incredible LGBTQ people, and you know what really did it for me was their mothers. Um, one mother in particular who reached out to me and sent me emails who has a transgender son who's LDS who is in this fight and shared with me some of her experiences and her son's experiences. I'll never be the same, right? Like I, I changed because of those stories and, and listening. That's why I love the listen, learn, love, because that's, you have to listen to people to be able to learn from people, to be able to love people. And there's just not a person on the earth that if you listen to them and learn from them, you wouldn't love them. And I, I really believe that. And so, um, that that was an incredible thing and another thing that just my husband pointed out so when it became public knowledge that the city council was voting on this and um, a really far-right conservative think tank group sent out an email um, and people just went crazy that that I got the majority of my emails that one weekend so I got 1300 emails oh I, I I had always said I got 1,107, but then I got more. So <laughs> my number increased. Wow. So I got a lot of emails and um, at least eight or 900 of those were negative. And I got lots and lots of them were LDS people. And a lot of them were people I knew, frankly. Um, but I got lots of like, you're going to hell. You need to repent. The Lord's is pleased with you. I mean, I could go on and on. And it was shocking to me. It was hurtful. I can talk about it now, but for three weeks, I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't like, I couldn't function in life. Like it was, and I'm a people pleaser. Like I love people to love me, right? Like my whole life, I, I, I like it when people like me. And, and so this is very, very difficult. Um, I'm very opinionated, but I always deal with a smile on my face. And so I don't make enemies. And this was really, really painful. And um, we live in an extremely conservative neighborhood. And my husband was serving as the bishop at the time. And oh boy, like 
I think probably one of the strongest efforts to fight against this came from my neighbors, you know, my people in our ward, our ward members, counselors in the bishopric with my husband, young women's president. Um, but but you're talking about like, like, you know, Allison did a poll on Instagram where we found out like people are so afraid of like everybody's worst nightmare. You live the worst nightmare. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, we are so bound in our, com- our ward communities. Yes, we are. I mean, those, and especially, you know, a lot of times those are people that, you know, we've moved into a neighborhood. We didn't know anybody. Yeah. We, they're, they're what I call family. They're not just friends. Yeah. They're like our family, right? <laughs> they yeah. are. And, and to do anything that would get you kicked out of that family or get you like kind of shunned as, you know, our brain, your brain was, must've been felt that, I mean, cause we are wired to connect and to be part yeah. of the community. So how did you get through that period and stay sane? Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's what we, yeah, this is the key to, for, we, we want to share this particular key to everyone that listens, because this is an important part of, as the Lord, as you said so well, like the evolution of hearts, like yeah you have to be able to stand up to this, right? Yeah. And I, so I have so much I could say. I'm trying to think what, what direction I want to go. Oh. So, so in the midst of this, my husband, sorry, it's, it's still such an emotional topic for me. It was, it was the most beautiful experience, but the most painful. So my husband made the comment to me, wow, if we're getting this much hate just for supporting the LGBT community, we're not LGBTQ. We don't have LGBTQ children. Can you imagine wow. what they're feeling or what they're going through? And it, it opened up my eyes. Oh my gosh. Let's just so, pause for a moment there. That his wisdom. Oh, he must be the best bishop. I mean, honestly, the, oh, the, the empathy <laughs> in that comment and the truth, like, oh, that's so, so, such a beautiful way that he was able to um, see that. I mean, that must have yeah. just changed your heart in that hard time. It did. And it, it just, you know, I have my kids are ages 15 to 23. And so they get this and, and they, they're for nothing else. I wanted to do it for them too. I wanted them to know that their mother knew right and wrong, like whether it was popular or not, whether people were happy with me or not. I had my neighbors in my ward, my friends that I've served with, that I've had incredible spiritual experiences with, um, wanted to recall me. They got on Facebook and wrote that they wanted to recall me over this issue. Um, I mean, that that's the strength of the. <laughs> and again, there were there were so many things that went out on social media. Dang social media, it's so good, but it's the worst for stuff like this. That just wasn't true, and so I spent months, like, well, I say months, weeks, going around putting out fires, trying to correct misinformation, trying to say. No, that's not true. No, that's not true. No, it doesn't affect schools. There, there was a rumor that we couldn't say ma'am and sir in Mesa anymore. I mean, just things like that that just, I don't even know where it came from, but someone would just lash onto it. Then it would just and snowball, so I bet. It was, yep. Yeah. And mm. so it was really, really hard trying to combat that. And I, I had just prayed to Heavenly Father that I did not want to do anything that was going to hurt his kingdom, right? Like my greatest goal in life is that I can help gather Zion and build his kingdom. And and he told me over and over and over again that that's exactly what I was doing. And the, we started having 
several lots of our children's friends who had come out that had left the church that were struggling reach out to us. We had them over for dinner. We had conversations with them. We we were like, oh, the Spillsbury's? Like, wait, the Spillsbury's are really strong in the church. Wait, they're LGBTQ allies? Like, it was like people were dumbfounded and, and they reached out to us to thank us and to feel love and, and feel safe. And, and I, I get that so many people do that and I'm so grateful that they do that. But we were in a position so publicly that then it was out there. And I thought I was all always an LGBTQ ally. Why didn't anyone know? But this was, this put it out there that was more public and, and just hearing their stories and the heartache and the pain and, and man, I love this church, but we have a lot of work to do. And so I I love that statement. I will never forget one of the first Sundays I went back to church after all of this. It's hard to walk in the door, right? And we've seen families come together forever. And I just sat there and cried and cried because I saw it so differently now. I thought, oh, this was, used to be one of my favorite songs. And now this song is a song that people feel pain when they hear it. And anyways, it just changed me. Like, I will never be the same. And the people I got to meet through the LGBT community, like, Michael Soto with Equality Arizona and Angela Huey with One Community are like two of my best friends now, right? Like, I love those people. And our mayor received an equality award through a a unity award through One Community. So we went to this, we went to this big, huge event down in Phoenix at a hotel. And oh my gosh, the love that's there. And these people are incredible. I mean, just incredible. And, and I'm, hugging transgender women who just were because they showed this whole video with like how the city of Mesa ordinance and oh I just thought these are my people and like I don't think there were very many LDS people there I don't think there were very many Republicans there (laughs) and I felt so comfortable and so loved and so accepted and I thought this is how I want everyone to feel like this is how everyone should feel and and they are they are the ones teaching us how to love you know, they, they are the ones that are blessed with those gifts and talents to teach us how to love. So I, I just feel that so strongly. Yeah. How did you walk through those doors when you had your best friends asking for your recall? I mean, that had to be such a painful experience emotionally for you. So during, during a lot of it, we weren't at church. We were on Zoom church. So I think that helped. Thank goodness. <laughs> Thank goodness. Maybe yes. one little thing. Under mercy. Yeah. Yeah. So we, I mean, we did have people that when we went back to church, we had several people in our family, that in our family, in our ward family, that did not come to church because they were mad at my husband. We had several families asking our state president for my husband to be released. Um, How did your state president handle it? Okay. So. I should also probably mention that while this was publicly out there, you had to maybe be following city politics somewhat or have friends that were following it. But then my wonderful husband decided he needed to get on Facebook (laughs) and make some posts to explain why we supported the the non-discrimination ordinance. And um, I I loved him for it, but that that definitely had a little bit more drama. My husband went back to school recently to study peace and conflict studies. And so he just, he's really good at that. He doesn't get offended easily. He loves people. He sees the best in people. And so he handled that maybe a little bit better than I did. Um, It was hard. I'm in a book club that I have been in for 
18 years with 15 girls that are my best friends. And there were some of them that were not in support of it. And we couldn't talk about it. And um, that's hard. That's really hard. Have you come through on the other side with those friendships? Yes. As long as we don't bring up certain topics, I guess. Um, it, we have family members that are in agreement. Um, extended it, family or close extended to family. Yes, more my husband's family. My my family's been my mom. I love to watch my mom's. Um, my mom grew up in Provo her whole life. Like she, anyways, she's the most wonderful woman. But she had a hard time with this. And then when I started pulling up all these different quotes and stuff about the, from the church officials from the brethren and showing their support of, of uh, legislation like the Fairness for All Act that's being presented in opposition of the Equality Act, my mom was like, oh, okay. Like she kind of came around on that, that that helped her. And we were able to have some really neat conversations that I didn't think I'd be able to have with my mom. So um, it's just all about education, isn't it? Right. It, it and, is. and not listening to social media, but going and getting the real facts of the situation. Because, yes. you know, like you said, once you really saw the facts, uh, there were zero, zero incidences and actually way more incidences on the transgender people like mm-hmm. like that really. I mean, how can you argue that when you have the facts, you really can't right. argue well, with the good of the bit. And even just um, last month, six weeks ago, there was a incident that came out in the news and it was um I can't remember I did all this research on it and I can't remember North Carolina does that sound familiar about a boy that dressed up like a girl and went in the bathroom and raped a girl and so everyone oh as soon as that came out in the news everyone just went crazy and I got sent that by several people to show how horrible I was and how wrong I was and the vote that I did well if you research that it was that incident happened way before <laughs> there was ever any kind of an ordinance. Yeah. And also that that boy had done other stuff like that before. So it's anyways, it's it has nothing to do with transgender issue. It has nothing to do with the ordinances, but people will just latch on to anything that fits their, their view. Yeah. And so that, that's hard to combat. It is hard. And we, we tend to, I think as human beings, we tend to um, take an easy answer over a complicated research. Especially if everyone around us agrees too, right? We got these echo chambers going on. And so it feels like, see, I'm right. And they're wrong. And we, we make it an us versus them. And it's, that's not what it's about. It's not. And, and it, it takes a lot of rethinking. I love Adam Grant. Who's a professor at at Harvard, right? And his whole thing is about like rethink and think again, and and having the the um, neuroplasticity to think around what we think. President, I mean, Elder uh, Uchtdorf has that great quote of the the iron. Sometimes we have an iron gate that doesn't let us. Let's see the iron gate around what all we already think we know. That stops us from relearning, learning a new kind of expanding. Like Jenny and I will tell you um, that they're just the stories of the spirit leading people like you who don't have family members into this work 
are, I mean, they're almost more remarkable than the parents of children. Because by your very nature, you want to make the world better for your children, especially those. And when you're worried about their mental, emotional, physical, spiritual health, you know, romantic health, all of it. Oh, right. All of it. But when you've got, it's just, it's just amazing. And as you watch these people come together and the spirits with them, it is like, there's something happening. Yeah, no, it's, it's beautiful. And I, my husband loves to quote Joseph Smith by saying, in the proving of contraries is truth made manifest. And right. my, and my daughter, her, her, um, she's at Utah state and she her whole thing is that simplicity versus complexity right and we have to come over on the other side of complexity and and all of that it's learning it's opening it's growing and it's so it's painful a lot of times but it's so beautiful when you do come on the other side and you realize that you're changed and you're different and that you're closer to jesus christ we had so many people when my husband made those posts that we were in support of the lgbtq ordinance we had so many people that we love that are close to us that know us that said okay so when's your post about that you're leaving the church okay so so right. you must be struggling in your testimony right i mean and, and it's so the opposite after this journey we've been on and that we're still in our testimonies could not be stronger we feel even more strongly about the love that heavenly father has for every single person Right. We feel even stronger about our testimonies of the Savior and that he suffered for every single one of, of, of his children, right? I mean, those those things have only been solidified and magnified through this journey. And yes, we have seen places in the church that there are problems and that, that we have so much work to do. And, and you know, I one of the first Sundays in our, in our Sunday school, someone, an older person made the comment, about how it was proof that Satan was taking over the world because he can't turn on the TV without seeing gay people, right, you know, whatever. Right, right, yeah. I'm just like, no, we don't make comments like that. I mean, you know, that you're just, I feel every Sunday we're having to fight that, but it can yeah. happen. I can do a lot more good inside the church than I could ever do outside of the church. So I just, yeah, I, I really feel that. And I, I know that God put us in this path. He put my whole family on this path together so that we could do it together because having my husband by my side through all this was really beautiful and made our relationship stronger. And so maybe if I hadn't had him, I would have, maybe I would have buckled under pressure, but because we did it together, I thought, you know what, if I'm left with no friends, which it felt like, if I'm left with no one, at least I have my husband. So I have my family and my kids and I know I did the right thing. Oh, and I wanted to make the point too. I had so many people reach out to me after they were made aware of the ordinance or we did a Faith Matters podcast. People from all over. By the way, everyone should, just to get the full, there's two Faith faith Matters, right? There is. One I did with the mayor where we talked specifically about the ordinance. And then the other one I did with my husband where we talked about some of the challenges we faced in our ward as him serving as the bishop. So, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're both really, really important. I, you know, we got asked to do that and I said, sure. And we did it. And oh my gosh, like the amount of comments, like messages I got sent from complete strangers who felt alone, right? Like they felt like, oh my gosh, I thought I was the only one that felt this way. Like there's so many of us out there, people in my ward that said, hey, I, you know, whisper, but 
Um, we really loved your podcast. We don't yes. want to say it too loud, but we loved your podcast, right? So, I mean, that's incredible. And then that helps you realize, oh, there's so many more people out there that I realize. And sometimes in our little insular world, we feel like we're alone, but really there's so many more people out there that feel the same way, that have the same desires to create Zion with our diversity and, and know that, you know, we don't, I said this in the faith matters podcast, but it's worth repeating because I feel it strongly. We don't want to bring in our LGBTQ brothers and sisters because it's the right thing to do or because that's what Jesus wants us to do. We need to do it because we need them. Like we need them. We need their gifts and their talents and their love and their compassion and their beauty. Like they are, they are incredible and we are not complete without our LGBTQ brothers and sisters. So anyway, it's so true. And I think they have so much to teach us. So much. <laughs> I mean, the way that my heart and understanding, like the, the evolution of my heart over the decades that I've been learning about this and um, researching and whatnot. I mean, it just, I feel like there's so much education and understanding where other people come from and really I mean, like you said, so many people feel alone in this journey, which is exactly the opposite of what we're supposed to feel, right? Right. We're supposed to have unity one with another. So we know that that feeling is, you know, anything that makes us feel isolated, either as allies, as mothers, and particularly as LGBTQ individuals is wrong. And we need to eradicate that from our church, our amazing church. Yes, I, I could not agree more. And one of my favorite things that's happened recently is we got a new bishop. Uh, my husband was released and we had some ward changing. It had nothing to do with his vote or my vote. <laughs> <laughs> as much as some people. It wasn't honestly, your fault. <laughs> <laughs> but um, our new bishop, he's young. He has four little kids and he brought me into his office and he said, Sister Stillsbury, which I hate that he calls me Sister Stillsbury, <laughs> not Julie, right? That's how young he is. Sister Stillsbury, help me understand. He said, I'm immediately seeing that I need to know more about the LGBTQ population and their struggles and what we, we need to do to help. And I, we, we don't have anything like that in our state. I have a wonderful state president. We just, we don't have anything in our state. And, um, I don't know how widely accepted it will be, but we need we need to work hard in that area. And to just have my bishop so humbly say to me, teach me, help me understand. And you better believe that I send him links every time I come across something that's helpful. Well, so that he can learn and understand. And, and it's been a beautiful thing to recognize that humility in him. So I love his words, help me understand. And David Archuleta just this last week, 49 minutes of really just I mean it's so painful to listen to but it's also a gift to all of us to I was actually going to bring him up because I am like maybe the biggest David Archuleta fan in the world and so I've seen him like nine times anyways I am a wow. fan of David Archuleta but I when I watched that video and I fall through these tiny things you just want to mom hug, hug him oh. to death but I thought there's just not there's just not a person I know that couldn't listen to that and realize We've got some work to do. And I said yeah. to Allison, I said, he's 
LDS royalty, right? Like, like if he feels this way, can you imagine how just the normal kids going to church who is not a rock star feel about who they are, who are LGBTQ? That is not how Heavenly Father wants these children to feel ever. No. So, and and that's that's forty nine minutes that will teach so many people the pain and the conflict and the othering and the like suicidal feelings that are caused that. by what, the way we say things. Yes, and we should be praying with these these individuals to help them to help us all understand better, to help us all understand how we can help them mm-hmm. and, and be. It's such a painful experience to like go through this, but it sounds like you wouldn't trade it now, even though it was, it rocked relationships that were core to you. And like, what, what did you learn? Like, what would you say? Was the, was it worth it voting? Yes. You know, I, a hundred thousand percent, I tell people all the time, like there are still people that won't speak to us. Sorry. (laughs) Just about two families, but. Most people smile at me in public and they're polite to me to my face. I can live with that. I don't know if I'll get reelected if I decide to run in three years. So, you know, we'll see. Who cares, right? Like, who cares? If I was able to help one teenager feel more loved and decide to stay on this earth, who cares? Like, I don't care if I'm the most popular city council member or that everyone loves me or that everyone thinks I did the right thing. Like, I would do it over and over and over and over again because I am not the same person. I My heart is 10 times bigger. I have such a greater capacity to love. I see people differently. I see everyone differently, not just LGBTQ people. I have such a strong desire in my position to be a voice for people who don't have a voice. And I, I, I honestly think like if there's no other reason why Heavenly Father wanted me to be on the city of council of Mesa, Arizona, this was the reason, right? That if, if it was just for that one thing and I have to do four years of a lot of hard work just because of that one vote, so be it. Right. Like I, I just could never say enough of, of what I've learned and who I am. And who I've become because of what I've learned through that experience. So oh, I love hearing that. <laughs> I'm so emotional about it. Oh no, it's so painful. And you are so brave. And you have a lot to teach the rest of us who also struggle to stand up, even in much smaller ways. Oh, right. And- like much smaller. Every every time you stand up in any way, it might not be on a city council vote that thousands of people witness, right? But anytime you do anything in any small way, it changes people. So it does. And one day one of those two families is gonna come to you and say, I was wrong. I was wrong, or we have a child. Can you help us understand? Teach me. Better? Yeah. Like just like your bishop, help me understand. Yeah. Because and the fact that I I still genuinely feel so much love for them. 
is proof to me that Heavenly Father's changed my heart, right? Like yes. he's helped, he's given me his love for them so that it doesn't create problems in my life. So when it's truly living your covenants and being that disciple, because that's where his heart is like refined you and changed you. I mean, it's clear and apparent. And I think anybody listening will see that, that um, sometimes living our covenants is standing up for the one, right? And um, that's hard, especially when the community who should be standing up for them are not right and going against that community and thank you for being the Esther. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, wow! Don't I can't even I can't even take that compliment. But <laughs> we're giving it to you. It's been humbling to be able to be in this position. Well, so. I was so moved by your podcast. I'm so glad that we are connected. You've helped us, and I'm just so grateful for this this yes. conversation that will help other people stand up and right. withstand the blowback that will come. And thank you for all that you guys are doing. You're my heroes. So. I want it and want the your listeners realize the blowback is worth it because the blowback yeah. will change you and you yeah. will become who you need to become. Like it will give you strength. It's hard. Yeah. You can do it. You can do yeah. it. Why we're here. Right. <laughs> so why we're here. Thank you so much. We are just so appreciative of you. And um, for those of you who want to hear more about the city council vote, We'll put it in show notes, and I really suggest you listen to Julie and her husband because they do a fabulous job on the Faith Matters podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you, Allison. Thank you for joining us. If you like what we share, subscribe to the Lift and Love podcast. And if you have a minute, leave us a five-star rating so other families like yours can find us. When your child comes out, you need to find support where you feel safe and understood. This is why we created the Lift and Love Coaching Community, a place where parents can connect, learn, and grow in a private setting. Jenny is a certified, advanced-trained, faith-based life coach with almost 10,000 hours of coaching. Together, we have worked with hundreds of families just like yours. To see if the Lift and Love community is right for you, go to liftandlove.org and click on the community link. For more free information, support groups, and available resources, check out liftandlove.org and liftandlove.org on Instagram and Facebook. But most importantly, remember, you are not alone in this journey. We are building a community of thriving and faithful LGBTQ families who are here to lift and love you.